Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Roll the magazine to the handgun. Pull back in that slide. Let it go. Nice, good two-handed grip. This will be a one-shot exercise, but my command, one shot only. Day Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so, man, I got a special guest for you guys today, you guys and girls. We're going to bring in a firearms instructor from Atlanta, Georgia. She's also a radio show host herself. Uh, she's a, is a black female firearms instructor. Going to talk about some universal background checks. You guys know how that's going to affect you? Well, you know what? We're in trouble. Because the Universal Background Check Bill has passed the U.S. Congress. So I want to talk about that. Also inside the studio, we have Patrick. I told you guys about Patrick last week. Uh, uh, Patrick came to uh, Central Texas Gunworks and uh, walked in the door there and said, Hey, I'm newly left-handed and I need to learn how to shoot. I lost my right arm and my right leg in a motorcycle accident. So we have Patrick in the studio. Also... In the studio, we got my favorite from the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Distant relationship. Distant relationship to the royal family? Maybe. All right. So, all right. We have someone else in the studio who was here last week. Tell them about you. Well, I've been welcomed back. I've been invited back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your name? My name is Anthony Bird. Anthony C. Bird. Anthony. That's right, Anthony. And Anthony, you know, I, I surround myself with people that are on the spectrum. That's what I always say. You know, everyone in my inner circle is definitely on the spectrum. <laughs> You know, because I'm like, hey, Anthony. All right, so we're going to go to the radio show today. He's like, okay. I said, all right, Anthony, I'm going to pick you up from your place, and then we'll, we'll ride from there. I said, okay. And then he, he's like, he calls me up. He's like, oh, um, I'll meet you there. Okay, I'll, I'll meet you at the, you know, the restaurant. I said, okay. 
So I get to the restaurant. I said, okay, Anthony, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you're going to ride with me, you know, from the restaurant to, uh, to the radio station, you know, and we're all ride together. He's like, okay. And then we're getting ready to leave the restaurant. It's like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to, I'll take my own vehicle. What's up with that, Anthony? Uh, because I, I um, <laughs> everywhere I travel in my truck, I carry two AR-15s with me. <laughs> And um, I didn't. Want, I didn't want to leave my truck filled with AR-15s and all my ammunition in, in a restaurant. So they're park. they're like your kids, uh, more than kids. I and think. the one thing, one and Anthony, one thing about Anthony, you know, when you, you how long you been here in in, in Austin? Uh, I've been in Austin now, coming up for uh, yeah, two years exactly. Two years. All right. Yeah. All right. So two years, and you landed. You I guess the first spot you hit was New York, correct? When correct, you flew yeah, in yeah, from, from the UK. Yeah, correct. All right. So when you you flew in from the UK and you landed and you landed in New York. What was the first thing you did? Uh, I, From, dropped my, I dropped my bags at the also at the um, at the uh, hotel, and uh-huh. then I went straight down to 20th Street and went and shot a gun. That was a, like the first thing I did. So the first thing he did is went to the gun range. Damn right. <laughs> right after because I'm off a the real plane. American. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so I tell you, I surround myself with people that are definitely on the spectrum. So the very first thing he did was shoot a gun, and now he just it's like his ARs are his children. He don't want to be without them. Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, you couldn't have hit the, you couldn't have hit it more on the head, to be honest with you. I mean, I, you're trying to make it out like I'm going to deny this or something. Like, no, 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 no. You've misinterpreted it. Like this is exactly the situation. Right, and then and then and then in walks Patrick. You know, Patrick walks in and he's like, you know, yay, you know, hey, I'm newly, you know, left-handed, uh, and I need to learn how to shoot, you know, with my left hand again. You know, I can't even write my name with my left hand. You know, and so yeah. <laughs> Anthony, uh, Patrick, Patrick, tell them about you. So. Patrick, like where, you, a, where you from, first of all? Of, I'm from Kingsville, Texas. Kingsville, and by, the, and, and by the way, Anthony, do not use profanity. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's Patrick. <laughs> Patrick. I mean Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, don't use profanity. I'm from South Thank Texas. Thank you, Zach. about, mm, I want to say 40 minutes south of the Corpus Christi. So and get pretty, real close to the mic. Close like to Me- Make love to the mic. <laughs> pretty close to Mexico. Um, but, yeah, from South Texas. All right, all right. All right. Uh, and so, uh, so what made you... Look at like we're having video problems. I can't tell or not. Is it? Is it? Anybody look at the Facebook video? Is it, it is up? It's just I'm yeah, just, it's up. Is it? I'm because I'm not seeing it for some reason. All right. So um. So and tell us, you know, something happened to you exactly a year ago. Yeah. What uh, was that? Well, just a year and a few days ago. A year and a few days ago. Um, I was in a motorcycle accident on Breaker and I-35 in Austin. Uh, I was exiting the. Uh, and honestly, the, and the first thing, first time you told me that story, you told me that you had, had a motorcycle accident on a breaker and I-35, you know, right there, yeah. breaking, I, that, I was thinking, I was like, man, when was that again? And God, I hope that wasn't me driving by there. You know, that's the first thing that, you know, <laughs> first thing that, thought, yeah. that came in my mind. That's like right by my house. Yeah. It's like, man, I sure hope that wasn't me pulling out of the house there, you know, and, and hit this guy on the motorcycle or something yeah, don't, sure. and didn't realize it. Yeah. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it wasn't you. It, um, I had ended up pulling out on the access road as the middle lane, and a guy had pulled out in front of me, and he just didn't see me. Um, I, I'd like to say that he just didn't see me. And he uh, he pulled out in front of me with the trucker trailer. He was driving a Dodge Ram 1500 with a flatbed trucker trailer, and um, he had a flatbed trailer behind him, and I ended up hitting him right where the uh, hitch was attached to the truck, like where the hitch was mounted to the truck. And I wrapped myself around the bed of the truck. I broke. Uh, I ended up breaking my femur, and I ended up losing my right arm, my right leg. I self amputated my right leg, and right arm in the accident. I broke my femur um, about six inches above six inches above my knee, and um, they had to amputate that about fourteen days later after the accident. But I had um, what was called compartment syndrome, which means that basically my ca- my calf was taking all the blood and swelling over and over and over, like 
was heating huge, but wouldn't return the blood back to my body or to my kidneys. So they were like, ultimately, we have to like cut the artery or we have to cut the leg. So it was the, the best decision for me to not have to like just drag a dead limb was to end up actually just amputating the right leg completely. So now I have a prosthetic leg and a cool prosthetic arm. And yeah. So now, now did they, you know, did they, did they wake, say, hey, you know, Patrick, do you, you know, do you want to keep your arm? You know, did he give you an option or anything like that at all? Yes, they did. I was not actually like functional, like from my accident. I was in a coma for a month and a half. So you're in a coma and, for a month and a half. Yeah. And so during the accident, during the coma, my mom and my girlfriend were at the time were uh, asked the question of like, hey, do, should we keep the limb or should we get rid of the limb? And they thought that getting rid of the, getting rid of the limb was to be the best option. Even she called a bunch of different doctors. My girlfriend called a bunch of different doctors and like asked opinions and different things like all across the country. And ultimately, it was the best decision was to take my leg um, and to amputate the leg. So now I can actually walk in. I have a prosthetic from Autobach, which is pretty, pretty amazing and been pretty, pretty beneficial to me. All right, so we're talking about universal background checks today. We're going to talk about two major anti-gun bills that were passed this week by Democrats in the House of Representatives. And we also have Tangie Daniel. She's going to be on the show today. She's a female instructor out of Atlanta, Georgia. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Ray. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back. We're talking about universal background checks. So for those of you that do not know, and by the way, you know, call in, you know, with any questions that you have about this anti-gun bill, because that's what it is, an anti-gun bill. Um, and, and I'm going to break this down for you. Our call-in number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. And to keep in mind, whenever we have any 
any gun bills that start any type of restrictions at all, you know, it usually targets certain groups of people. You know, so that's how all the gun, you know, all the gun legislation is all about. It's all about targeting certain groups of people. So we look at universal background checks right now. The way the law is, if you want to buy a gun from a private individual, you can do that. There's no need to walk into a gun store and do a federal background check. Let's say you want to give a gun to your son or your mother or your father or your daughter or your aunt, your uncle, grandma, grandpa. You can give a gun to those individuals as a gift without having to do a background check on them. And let's say you were convicted of a felony about 40 years ago, maybe for a certain amount of marijuana, and um, now you've lost your gun rights. You're convicted of a felony. So you cannot walk into a gun store as a convicted felon and purchase a, a firearm from a gun store, federal firearms licensed dealer. The only way you can get a gun is by, by way of a private sale or as a gift. Now, in Texas, at the five years, a convicted felon can have a firearm at home for personal protection at the five years after they're off of paper. But they cannot get it from a gun store, cannot walk in and pass the background check, uh, but they can do it as a private sale as a gift. Now, let's say I'm 18 years old. I'm 18, and I can have a handgun in my vehicle at 18 years old. As long as the handgun's concealed at 18 in Texas, you can have a handgun in your vehicle. But at 18, you cannot purchase that handgun from a gun store. You have to wait until you turn 21 because you have to be 21 to pass the federal background check. Well, you can, in Texas, get it as a private sale or as a gift. And that way you don't need to get a background check because uh, you can't pass one anyway because you're not 21 years of age. And so that's how it works right now. If universal background check passes, if that passes, then that means that that person who's 18 will not be able to get uh, obtain that that firearm at all because you have to that transaction will have to be done in the gun store. So because you have to be 21 in order to get that done, so you that eliminates that. Also, that person who's trying to give a gun as a gift to a family member or you know sell their gun to a family member or anyone else, they won't be able to do that because you'll have to walk into a gun store and get the background check. That means that, you know, that convicted felon who has been an outstanding citizen for 40 years and they're trying to get their rights back will never, ever get their rights back. They'll never be able to have a firearm at home for personal protection. You know, so what's the purpose of, you know, if you're going to give a person, you know, you're going to release, release them from jail and say you're giving them their rights back. Why not give them their rights back and let them purchase a firearm for personal protection at home? But you know what? If you pass your Virgil's background checks, then that goes away. You're going to have to walk into a gun store. That means that person will not be able to get a firearm. Yeah, that goes away. Um, what I think people really don't realize is that, uh, you know, there's a certain percentage of the population that is a convicted felon, and that's not a whole lot of people. But what is a huge uh, percentage of the population is marijuana users. That's right. Even in legal states like Colorado, Washington, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. If universal background checks passes, then anyone, uh, according to Form 4473, which is the ATF form that you have to fill out when you purchase a gun, and if universal background checks passes, everyone, private sales, gifts, gun store purchases, everyone who buys a gun or transfers it has to fill this form out. And one of the questions on there is, are you an unlawful user of 
or sorry, are you a user of or addicted to any unlawful substances? And they even put in um, bold letters. They put in bold letters. Warning. Hey, warning. Hey, it can be legal in your state, but it doesn't matter. If it's federally illegal, like marijuana, which is federally illegal, but legal in, in certain states, it doesn't matter. If you use marijuana, boom, you cannot purchase a gun. And if you if you use it and you try to go to a gun store and buy one, you will have to lie on a federal form. Which is a felony. That's no joke. <laughs> People have been arrested for lying on the form about marijuana usage. That's right. And you're mm-hmm. signing, you know, that's the purpose of you signing that form. You're saying that, hey, I certify that my answers in this section are true, correct, and complete. I've read and understand the notices, constructions, and definition of ATF Form 4473. And you're saying that, hey, you know, and by the way, you know, if you you're, if anything that you put on this form, you put something that's false or misrepresented, uh, then you can be charged with a crime. And that's, that's a federal a viol- offense. Viol- violation of federal law. Go ahead, Patrick. I will, don't curse. I'm not going to curse, but I will say that I use good close, real close. I will say that I am actually one of the. I'm a user. I do like, and there's nothing that anybody can do or say to restrict me from using. And it's illegal in certain states and not certain states. Whether I tell you or not that it's illegal now, and you being like 30 minutes from now, being like, "Hey, do you use?" Like, I'm going to tell you no in 30 minutes because that's none of your business. But like right now, when it per se is like it's 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 gonna understand like I go through extreme extreme amount of pain and like an extreme amount of like discomfort that I have to use those kinds of things to like make my my body feel better and make my body feel where where it's okay. So no matter what anybody says or does, I'm going to keep using what I use, and it doesn't matter if you try to drug test me now or drug test me later or anything like that. No matter what you say or do. I'm still going to use and it's and that and, it's a and, plant. and tell us more about the pain. You know what type of pain are you talking about? That it's you're a feeling? plant. It's a, it no. What pain? My, your pain. My pain is phantom pain. So I feel like my arm is being ripped off. I feel like my arm is being ripped off completely and being ripped off. My brain basically feels like the ever. My brain basically feels like every aspect of the accident is still happening. Like the arm is being ripped off from my body. It's being ripped from my body and. It's not normal. And you know, my I... body thinks this immediately, that it's not okay. And that, hey, there's something wrong going on with your body. Like, hey, just so you know, like, there's something not not going well with your body. Like, something's being taken away right now, and that's not normal. What do we do? And, and what I have to do is, I don't want to be on opiates or, like, hardcore painkillers or anything like that. But I think I will use, I'd rather use, like, things that are illegal in other states and that not just because it's not legal here doesn't mean that it's not okay. Right, hold that thought. It and hold that thought, Patrick. Okay. Uh, and uh, by the way, I, I call in numbers 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. Call in and give me your thoughts on this universal background checks. If you're if you're for universal background checks, I actually want to hear from you. I want to hear why you for universal background checks. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Skip Davis. What up, Skip? My local attorney in Austin, yeah. Texas. Hey, fellas. Good to see you today. What's going on? This is is a wacky, wacky situation we find ourselves in. Something that we shouldn't probably be considering right now, given the January 6th insurrection and riot at the Capitol. Everybody needs to be armed in order to keep law and order in place. 
Okay. Here's what I've got to say about uh, uh, to promote law and order. Here's what I got to say about the marijuana use. And I'm sorry for my friend, your, uh, your, your guest who had such a horrific accident. That's an unthinkable um, situation that you're in. And I wish you the best of health. The law, however, unfortunately, characterizes two reasons why you can't have a gun. Um, one is if you're a mental patient and you've been designated to be it's, you know, suffering from certain um, conditions, uh, red flag, we know all about that. Um, and the other is if you're a chronic drug user. Um, and these are very, those were, those were the conditions under which gun owners and Second Amendment advocates, we had to give away those conditions, those human conditions, being somebody who's psychologically touched and somebody who's a chronic drug user, even if it's a prescription drug. Skip, Skip, let um, me, let me uh, stop you right there. The form does not say anything about chronic use. It says, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to? So nothing about chronic use, just the use. That's what the form says. What the law reads is different. If you'll go to the statute, there's an explanation for why the form, the question is even on the form. The reason the question's on the form is because drug use, the way that we uh, define it nowadays, uh, leads to impairment and can lead to impairment. And impairment sets the person up for poor judgment and certainly can affect motors, normal motor skills. Are you um, and, those, and those two things are really implicated when, you have, uh, when you're carrying a weapon. So those, that's why, if anybody want to know why does that matter, um, it, it's not to deprive uh, someone like your guest of the right to defend himself. It just means he can't buy one, you know, through the through the through the through the uh, federal marketplace and the punch and the background check. You can always gonna you're always gonna be able to get a black market gun. There's too many of them on the street. That's illegal. And there's what's illegal about owning a gun? A you black market gun. Somebody. All right. Hold on, Skip. We're going to come back to that. We're talking about universal background checks. Talking about the pros. We're talking about the cons. Also have a guest from Atlanta, Georgia, fireman instructor. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Welcome back to Come and Talk. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about universal background checks. We're looking at the 4473. We're talking about, uh, you know, some of the things that you, know, you got to watch out for if universal background check passes and you will not be able to get your hands, purchase a firearm, you know, unless you already have your life scary handgun, you won't be able to purchase that firearm, you know, but you got to be able to answer the questions truthfully. You're not even going to get past that point if you don't answer the questions uh, truthfully. And one of the questions on the 4473 says, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Warning, the use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. You, if universal background checks passes, you will not be able to get a firearm. 
Skip. I still think that it's unenforceable because we'll see. Um, I think transactions will happen uh, in the black market, if you will. Are you? Are you? Um, so, so we're gonna give those. We're gonna give the police power. You know, by if universal background check passes, you, you're gonna arm law enforcement. You're gonna give them the power to be able to pull people over, and they got to figure out: Did you get? Were you? Did you possess this firearm legally? How did you get your hands on this gun? Now we're gonna put people that. That you that you advocate, you know, you know, you, you're trying to protect. We're going to get those people that we're trying to protect more attention from law enforcement and give law enforcement more tools to harass those people. I, I don't, know, I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that that um, law enforcement will automatically, as a result of the passage of this bill, have uh, have a, a, a good faith basis to ask how somebody uh, acquired a gun. I think the government has to prove that the gun was acquired um, yeah. outside outside of the registration purpose, but that's going to be hard for them to prove. I don't think they're going to be able now. I get, I got to get, I got to get past the traffic stop first, skip. Got to get past that traffic stop. If I get, I may die doing the traffic stop. Well, that's, that's in fact true, but, but I mean, that's that's just the way you will not be able to get a. I'm sorry. Say that again. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, what I, what I'm saying is that, listen, uh, I don't know how they, I think it's unenforceable. I don't know how they stop private sales. Private sales are always going to go on. Nobody's going to walk into a, a gun store and say, hey, I want to buy, I want to sell this guy this gun. Okay. Um, when you can just, when you can just transfer the gun with, with such little effort. So are you for universal background checks, this law passing? No, not at all. The reason why I'm against uh, this universal background checks passing is because I fear that the government is keeping list of who buys guns and where the guns are. Um, whether they tell you they do or not, just like with firearms, um, we have the Austin. Oh, we're lo- we're losing you there for a second. Once you get your signal okay. back there, but you know what? You're right. They are keeping records uh, of your you know your firearms transaction. Here's what they're doing in Texas: if you buy two handguns or more, or two long guns or more in a five day period, that gun store has to fill out a form and fax it into the FBI, the NICS, that day. And also to the chief law enforcement officer in the county that you live in. On that form that they're faxing in that day, they're telling them everything about you. Everything about you. They're telling them uh, your, your sheriff. They're telling them the make, model, serial number of your guns. That if you buy two handguns of more than a five-day period, two long guns of more than a five-day period. And they say because that is because we border Mexico. <laughs> so, yeah, you are right, Skip. So I'm almost guaranteed to be on that list. If you buy two handguns more in a five-day period, or two long guns more in a five-day period, yeah, you're on that list. I did that. I did that as soon as I had state ID. That's the first thing I did. And you did it in Texas. Yep. Then you, they know you're. They need to make it. Well, Chief Manley, you know where I'm at. You know where I got. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think about that, Skip? So you're right. Well, I, you know, again, I'm a fierce uh, Second Amendment advocate, um, and my opinion is put guns in everybody's hands, and uh, we'll stop a lot of the nonsense that carries on. Um, out here in the public that we see day to day, whether it's police officers being bullies or whether it's bullies being thugs. Yeah. Um, we just, if everybody would just step back because everybody's armed, there would be a lot less of this, uh, of this nonsense that we what, see and complain about. Well, what, what frustrates me is the people that are the people that say that we need to protect the Brianna Taylors. We need to uh, protect the, you know, you know, say his name or say her name. 
We need to protect those individuals. These are the same people that want to pass universal background checks. And every time you pass a gun law, it actually affects the people that are in the black and brown community. If that's the community that you're trying to protect, then you're you're not trying to protect that community Um, by passing these gun laws. For some reason, uh, black people and brown people are of the opinion that uh, firearms are bad. Um, And that's what uh, their their avoidance of firearms because they've been so, you know, they've been so uh, educated or um, indoctrinated to be fearful of guns um, has has led them to be much more likely victims of violent crime and robbery. Okay, and look, we lost Skip there. Hopefully we'll get Skip back. Um, I do want to bring on our our guests into the conversation uh, because, you know, my 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 guest is a fee, of awesome female instructor out of Atlanta, Georgia, and you know I love I love the South, you know, and I, I like Georgia because that's where my parents live, and so I'm gonna have to send my parents to you as well, you know, since you're in Atlanta there because my parents live in Snellville, Georgia, uh, and I want to bring into the conversation Tangie Daniel. Welcome to come and talking. Thank you for having me. Can you hear me? Okay. I hear you great. All right, Tanji. Man, Tanji, tell everybody about you. You know, what do you do? How did you get involved in firearms? Who is Tanji? And I hope I have your name right. I, you do. Yeah. So my my friends and family call me Tanjanika. I'm the CEO of Tactical Tangerine Defense, and I am a certified firearms instructor. I'm a certified Glock armorer, and I'm also a Marine Corps veteran. That's how I got into the firearms industry. Devil dog. This, um, Devil dog. Yes. You go there with your bad stuff now. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a two-time OIF Marine Corps veteran. I did two tours in Iraq. And so my introduction to firearms came from joining the Marine Corps. Before that, I was a cheerleader, so I had absolutely no idea about firearms or weapons. And fast forward now, I teach tactical training. I teach... Uh, classes on how to break down and rebuild your Glock or your AR-15, things like that. So I'm really excited about the progression of the industry sans the bills that are being introduced in the Senate right now. Right. And and so, um, man, that is, that's awesome. I'm, I'm actually an Army veteran. So, you know, all right. My, I hope you uh, hope you've gone to the VA. I got to tell everyone this. I meet that's a veteran. I hope you've gone to the VA and you've gotten some uh, your benefits, you know, your re- report. Uh, well, I'm at 80%. I'm at 80% right now. Oh, what's I, I wish I could do a fist bump with you. I'm at 80% too. <laughs> That's right. We're both 80% disabled veterans. Oh, man, we got to do a fist bump, fist bump, fist bump. There you go. All right. So, that's right. That's right. All right. So that is awesome. All right. So now, you know, Tanji, tell me about, you know, your company. You know, what do you guys do? So Tactical Tangerine Defense teaches you tips, tricks, and tools on how to stay trained and tactical. So we do that through education classes. So I teach firearm basics where I teach you situational awareness. I have a lot of women that take private classes from me. So I really harp on situational awareness, avoid, escape, defend. I harp on teaching them how to properly hold the firearm grip and stance. So I take them into the range and actually fire their first firearm with them. And they'll make this a process that's seamless and easy. That way they don't feel fearful. That way they don't feel you know, intimidated by this tool because at the end of the day, it's a tool. And as long as you use the tool properly, nothing will go wrong with it. 
And you know what? I'm gonna have to have you help me, Tangie, because uh, I I need to know, you know, how do I help women who have really long finger, fingernails load the rounds in the magazine without breaking her nail? As- they have to practice. That's a great <laughs> question because I had to, mine broke, so I gave up. Did you? Oh, <laughs> so there's gave- all right. So there's no secret to it. Nope. It's just <laughs> practice. Okay. You can okay. use a mag feeder. Mag loader. Speed loader. Yeah, yeah. speed loader works. Yep. All right. All right. Now, you know, a tangent, I want to get into uh, these gun bills, you know, because we have, man, there are two, uh, I call anti-gun bills. I hope everyone else does, too. Two anti-major anti-gun bills that actually passed the U.S. House of Representatives this week. It's on its way to the Senate. And this is a big, huge red flag. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Because, you know, well, first, everyone knows my thoughts. What are your thoughts on Universal Background Check? So we have background checks that calling it universal isn't going to make it any better. Every time I go purchase a firearm, I have to do a background check and I have my concealed carry. So that speeds up the process a little bit in the state that I'm in. But we already have these institutions or these programs in place. The problem is, is criminals don't sign up for background checks and criminals are not out here getting their guns registered. You're affecting law-abiding citizens who are trying to put forth the effort to be legal and exercise their constitutional right. And that's what really is being infringed upon. And that's what we really need to harp on. There was a legislation introduced, a national reciprocity concealed carry bill, and that was shot down and rejected by the Democrats this week. And that was asked to be put in the bill along with the two that were anti-gun. And they decided not to put those in, but they went forward with the anti-gun gun control bill. So we see the direction that they're headed in. We see the trajectory. We see what's about to happen. So it's just about being aware. It's about calling your senator and letting them know that you oppose, you abhor these bills, and you will not stand for your Second, right, Second Amendment rights to be infringed upon. All right. And, and and what do you think this is going to target like a certain group of people or is going to target people, period? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So to say full disclosure, I'm transitioning out of the cannabis industry. So it's very parallel to firearms industry. I spent about 10 years in the cannabis industry, lobbying in Congress because I'm a veteran, lobbying with other veterans, and then helping investors with alternative investment options like cannabis and real estate. So I'm just transferring those same skills over into firearms. And I recognize that we've been targeted and lied to about firearms, just like we were about this plant. And it's very interesting what's happening. This is very strategic. It was done purposely. The, the gun laws always affect our communities more than anything, and we're the most affected by the judicial system, but yet we don't know anything about the judicial system. So we don't know our rights. We don't know our laws. We don't know, you know, what is being infringed upon or not until it's too late. And so that's very, very interesting to me what's happening. And, and yeah, I, I think it's going to affect our community the most. All right. We're talking with Tangie Daniels. We're talking about – and she's from Tactical Tangerine Defense – we're talking about the universal background checks, talking about what's, you know, these two gun bills that actually passed the U.S. House of Representatives. We're talking about that. We're talking about more. Man, my circle of friends, I think we're all on the spectrum. I'm just watching you guys right now, and we're definitely all on the spectrum. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> 
And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about this universal background check bill. Also, there's another bill I want to discuss, and that's the one where they get rid of the three-day waiting period. All right, so currently right now, you know, you want to walk into a gun store, you want to buy a firearm, you... And let's say your transaction gets delayed uh, by federal law, they can delay you up to three business days. After the third business day, they can transfer the firearm to you. Well, if universal background check passes, <laughs> you know, all transactions will be in the fire uh, will be in the gun store. And if there's anything in your criminal history at all, they have to verify you're going to get delayed. A lot of people found this the hard way because Last year in March, when everyone in this country walked into a gun store on March 13th, you know, from March 13th to the present to purchase a firearm, you know, they found out by some of those transactions were actually delayed. Now, back in March of 2020 and April of 2020, they delayed those transactions 30 days. In some cases, 45 days, the transactions were delayed. So, you know, if they passed this bill where they dropped the three-day waiting period. Now they can delay your transaction indefinitely. That means you will not be able to get that firearm because it's indefinite. There's no three-day waiting period. You know, they can say, hey, I'm sorry, you that gun store can't transfer the firearm to you until you get a proceed. Now, the only thing that's going to save you from this is getting your handgun license. If you get your handgun license, you don't have to worry about the three-day waiting period. And this is something that we remind people when they come into the gun store every single day. Remind you, hey, you come to the gun store, you know, you, you, you don't have a handgun license. Get your handgun license. It makes that transaction a little easier because we don't have to contact the FBI. We still have to fill out the form, but we don't have to you, – you have to fill out the form. We don't have to contact the, the NICS and do the background check because your background check's already been done because you have a handgun license. So this will keep you from getting delayed, and this will keep you uh, from having any issues, you know, with the background check system if it goes down. Do you know that there's only one location that every gun store in the country contacts to do a background check? So every gun store is contacting, you know, we're calling West Virginia uh, to do this background check. And if that system is down, which it happens quite a bit, when that system goes down, it could be down for the entire day. I've seen it go down for 24 hours. When that system goes down, that means that no one, anyone needs a background check, you're not going to get a gun at all until that system comes back up, unless you have your license to carry handgun. And it's, it, it's sad because I get people that walk into the gun store and they're upset and they're angry because they're trying to pick up their firearm and they think that we don't want to give it to them. You know, it's not that I don't want to give it to you. It's the fact that you don't have your handgun license. Get your license. You know, and then you don't have to worry about, you know, the background check system, because once it goes down, it goes down. You can't get your gun. And so that's going to help you out a little bit. Uh, but we're talking with Tangie, and and I want to bring her into the conversation. She's from Tactical Tangerine Defense, uh, and get your thoughts on this. Yeah, HR 1446 was another bill that was passed along with HR 8, and they have passed the House, and they're on to the Senate. And I'm moving, like you say, is what it says on had a 
Hold on, we're, we're losing we're, we're losing your a little no bit. Telling. For some reason, you're you're losing your internet's kind of bouncing just a little bit. Give you a sit. Maybe. Oh no, is this better? Yeah, there we go. That's better. All right, so go ahead, go ahead, start over with is those. That better? Yeah, that's better. Go ahead, and start over with those bills again. So HR eight and HR fourteen forty six were the two bills that were just passed. Yeah, the house, and they're going. It's still bouncing just a little bit. HR fourteen. Yeah, hold on. We'll try to we'll try to get that. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, no worries. We'll try to get that fixed. So we'll give we'll get a few minutes, maybe it's buffering or something like that. So like like she said, there are two bills. You know, uh, one's the universal background check bill, and the other bill is the one that actually uh, gets rid of the three day waiting period. You know, what's your thought on that? Being from the UK, United Kingdom. <laughs> well, I mean. It's great to be in it's great to be in America where I can own firearms in the first place. But I think what a lot of these kind of laws and uh, kind of bills kind of show is that like how kind of out of hand the legal system has got. Where in some states I can legally purchase and smoke marijuana. Yeah, you know these these kind of um, universal background check laws would prevent me from uh, prevent me from purchasing a firearm. So in some states I could perhaps legally own a, a marijuana dispensary. Yeah, I couldn't own a firearm due to the federal federal legislation. So it's kind of a bit of a it's kind of like it's like a lattice of like uh, of of legislation, which is kind of designed to trip people up and get people in trouble. I think. Yeah, and uh, with this bill of HR fourteen forty six, like Tanji uh, had mentioned, that's the uh, extension of the waiting period. And basically, the people pushing these this this bill in particular are citing Dylan Roof's shooting in the uh, church a few years ago, mm-hmm. and they're saying that oh well. Uh, he got his gun because of the three-day waiting period uh, that lapsed, and then he was able to just get his gun after. But what they don't mention is that he had a drug possession before that, but it was only a misdemeanor. So that alone would not have barred him okay. from purchasing the gun. Yeah, you're right. So if he's if he had a drug conviction that was a misdemeanor, uh, then that alone, that one conviction would not have prohib- prohibited him from passing the background check. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't verify his criminal history, couldn't verify it was a felony or misdemeanor is probably what the issue was, or if it was still in warrant status or something like that. And so that's why he was delayed, and they weren't getting a response back from that agency, court, or whoever they were trying to contact. But that said, I mean, like, how many like how many other like, mass shootings have there been where they've legally acquired firearms? Like, how, how effective is this legislation going to be to protect against, you know, mass shooters, right? Nothing. nothing. They're you, not. You, you, you can't yeah, legislate crazy. Yeah. Precisely. So it seems like it's, this, is a, this is just here to take away our, take away our firearms. Correct. Right. And let me bring Tanji back into this conversation and get your thoughts on that. Go ahead, Tanji. Yeah, I was, doing, I, was, I was doing some research earlier about the laws in the UK versus the USA, and... It's literally similar to what's going to happen. I feel like they're trying to mimic and literally take away the rights, our firearm rights away from us. And it always starts with something small, like we're going to just take away firearms and, you know, it'll be for sports or it'll be for hunting. And then we'll take that away. And then you can only have like maybe 22 and then we'll end up not having any firearm at all. So it's a slippery slope. And you can actually see where we're headed based on other countries if we pay attention. So I really feel like there, there's absolutely no way that you can get all firearms in the United States registered. And there's absolutely no way you can prevent these mis, 
these things from happening that someone who wants to break the law that they're going to do. They're going to do it regardless. So where we are is we're fighting actually for our rights. That's literally what we're fighting for. Right, because in, in essence, what you're saying is you cannot legislate crazy. So if a person is dead set on committing a crime, they're going to commit a crime. You, know, you can't legislate crazy. You can't stop them from doing that. You know, and we, we don't put enough onus on family. You know, we don't put family to the task and say, hey, if you know, you know, Uncle Bob, Uncle Billy has got an issue, you know, then why don't you get them some help, you know, get them some assistance or something like that? And that's not happening. What everyone's trying to do is they're trying to put the onus on everyone else. You know, like there was a conversation this week on social media where people were talking about suicides and how gun store instructors, firearms instructors should, you know, talk to people about suicides. I'm like, why? You know, because, you know, people kill themselves a lot of different ways. It's not only by a firearm. Uh, so I'm not a therapist, and that is not my place to discuss, you know, and talking with someone about suicide. Do you honestly want people to walk into the gun store and have that clerk behind the counter talk to you about suicide? Well, no, but at the same time, you have to you have to appreciate that all of the sixty like I'm all, saying I don't want that person. All, talking all to of me the politicians, about all of the politicians say there's something like what sixty thousand gun deaths in the U.S. every year, but a good sixty percent of all those gun deaths are suicide. Right? Yeah, it was like thirty something thousand. Thirty thousand, but it's still sixty percent of that is suicide. Yeah, self inflicted gunshot wounds, right? Right. So I mean, yeah, there there is um there's a huge amount of suicide with guns, and the, the problem with suicide by gun is that it's a very effective method. Right. Out of all the other methods of suicide. They're considerably less effective, and that's why right? people choose it because it yeah because it will get the job done. Yeah, get the jobs done first time, right? Right, right. And, and Tangie, what are you, what's your thoughts about that? I'm just trying to figure out, and then what? So we find out they want to commit suicide, or we have a conversation. Then what are we supposed to do? Where mm. where does the our line end? Because I'm not a therapist, as you said. And so, what if I jump the gun, or maybe that person just felt that way for that day? Who am I to you know, step in and then I get all of this stuff, all of these agencies involved. And once they get involved, there's no turning back from that. You know, you're now in a system. That's not what you intended to happen. That's not what you meant to happen. You were having a bad day. I never thought about it. She misinterpreted it wrong. Like that's a slippery slope. And that's what happened with another bill that was introduced um, where they wanted to do the universal background checks and they want to have you do a psyche vow and your ex-wife or your ex-husband be the one that says you're in a condition to hold a, a firearm. I don't think that's my ex-husband's place to put that type of stipulation on me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what type of training I do. He should not be in the position to have that much authority over something that happens in my life. So even asking family members, I think that's a slippery slope, but I do agree that we try to put the blame on everyone else and we try to make you know this a communal problem when it's really not this is an individual that takes it upon themselves to make a decision and once that decision is made that's not something that i can stop or prevent just by having a conversation with them we're talking with tangy daniel she's with tactical tangerine defense out of atlanta georgia this is michael cargill and you are listening to come and talk it Yo, what's going on guys, it's Jack Jones here and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so you had to be there during the break, boy. Let me tell you, that was an exciting break there. Right, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Only doing the break. Facebook Live. You got to be on Facebook Live to see that one, boy. <laughs> Only on my birthday on Facebook Live. Let <laughs> see it. Let me tell you. Boy, I tell you. Something else. Got to love Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. And I love our view of downtown Austin today. It's beautiful. See the, we see the Jenga building. You used to live in the Jenga building, didn't you? Back, back when I was rich, yeah. Now I'm broke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what happens when you leave the royal family. <laughs> well, I tried to do a Megan, but uh, I ended up on the east side. I didn't end up in a mansion in Canada, so. Uh, oh yeah. well, you know. <laughs> so Megan say, hey, you know. <laughs> I'm a few shades too dark. They didn't give me any pay. Oh, you're a lot darker than Megan? <laughs> I think so. Am I not? Do you think? I, I, I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> you look a lot like her, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're probably distantly related. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to talking about this, uh, uh, these anti-gun bills uh, that we were talking about earlier today. And we have a guest here from Atlanta, Georgia. And my parents live in Atlanta. And so, you know, Tangie, I'm going to have to send my, my parents to you because, you know, I, I've been checking you out online and you're an awesome instructor and i've been getting a lot of you know i've been getting a lot of female instructors you know on our radio show around the country you know and, and i'm and and i just ran into like one of your videos probably about a month ago and i was like man we got to get her on the show you know she it, oh this 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 lady here is an awesome instructor so and and we somebody has a question for you yeah hey how's it going tanji um, I just want to kind of ask you a bit of a question that, especially as a female firearms instructor, do you find that you're predominantly uh, kind of dealing with helping women with acquiring their first firearm and how to effectively use their firearm? Or do you find that it's mainly a 50-50 mix or predominantly men? Like, what, what do you think the composition is? And do you think that, um, yeah, do you, uh, do you kind of, do you seem to attract more women to your kind of groups in your, uh, your lessons? That's a great question. I do. I attract a lot of women, a lot of first-time firearm owners, mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been gifted those firearms from their husband, boyfriend, significant other. They have no idea how to use it, how to load it, how to handle it. And so that's what I'm there for, to ease that learning curve for them and not doing it in a way that makes them feel intimidated or makes them feel uncomfortable. But I do have guys as well. And I find like I work really well with guys, I guess, because, you know, Marine Corps or the mm -hmm, industries mm -hmm. that I've been in have been male dominated. So I work really well with guys. But for the most part, it's about a 60-40 split to more women. That's interesting. It's like, cause it's quite interesting. Cause we've had quite a high profile uh, murder in the UK of a, of a young woman who was uh, uh, kind of attacked in um, walking home one night. And it's quite interesting that, you know, in the UK, um, there's quite vocal proposals to kind of curfew men after 6 p.m. I mean, I think it's kind of a bit of a, a joke, but it's kind of interesting that how in the UK, no one's interested in perhaps arming women or, or giving women the tools in which to defend themselves. They're, really? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's a huge amount of people saying that, you know, men are the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And no one's suggesting, hey, how about we give women guns? Because... <laughs> You know, more, more power to them. Do you know what I mean? Like this is this is exactly why we have the, the Second Amendment here in America that women can be protected and can defend themselves. You know, in you know if they are um, you know, attacked or you know mistreated. You know. Yeah, you know, because it's 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 amazing to me because it's like the people that you, you have certain people that don't want people to have firearms, don't want them to protect themselves. They want to have more restrictions, and it seems like those people there are the ones that you know. You know, want to take advantage, you know, of those, you know, those women, I think. 
Yeah, no, I, we're having a little incident here in the, in the studio here. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's quite bad because I think it's one of those things where it, definitely with regard to <laughs> with regard to women and firearms ownership. This this is definitely I think women de- demonstrate the beauty of the Second Amendment, where no matter what, where you are in America. As a woman, you can carry a firearm and be protected and know that you won't be victimized no matter where, wherever you travel, right. right? And I think that it's one of those things that as, as we see this, this kind of legislation get introduced where we're trying to limit access to firearms, it's only going to affect you know, women the most. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like w- Women are the ones who are going to be victims of you know, physical attack or sexual attack or whatnot. You know what I mean? Right. And, let, and let's, ask, let's ask a lady. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tangi, you know, what are your thoughts about yeah. that? That is so true because women are, especially black women, they're the fastest growing group of gun owners, but we're also the most targeted gender. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely correct. And um, it has a lot to do with, number one, we don't have very good situational awareness. We are always on our phone sometimes, the doors are unlocked, just practicing unsafe practices, you know, or not being vigilant of what's going on around us. And that's not our fault. We shouldn't be victimized or we shouldn't be in a position where someone takes advantage of us, Mm -hmm. but that does happen and that's how you can prevent it. And I just, that's so extreme what you just said. And that's literally how people go. They don't just do sensible laws or bills. They want to go, like, let's outlaw men going out at 6 p.m. It sounds egregious and outrageous, but this is where we are. And it was a similar bill here in the United States. Like, you know, women can't have abortions. Like, how do you tell me what to do with my uterus and my body, whether you agree or not? So I just feel like we just have a problem globally of affecting change in the most negative way, in the most absurd way mm-hmm. when it comes to infringing mm-hmm. on other people's rights. So when you're talking about some of the stuff that you do with women, did, um, you said that, you know, about you know, security and, and kind of situational awareness and whatnot. So, I mean, how much of your kind of firearms training with regard to women, um, do, do you kind of, do you focus on, on that kind of situational awareness and how to, how to avoid these situations? Or do you, kind of, like, what kind of sick things do you kind of teach women? What are kind of the key lessons that you want, you know, any woman who goes through your training regime to kind of be aware of? Excellent question. So I focus on four things in my mini classes. Mm -hmm. My mini classes are around 90 minutes and we definitely harp on situational awareness the most. There's something called the color codes of awareness and it was created for military or military, but the guy was a Marine and he translated it over for civilians. Mm -hmm. So I tell them those color codes. White is your oblivious. Yellow is your alert. You're supposed to be aware Orange is when something is going wrong, you're not sure, but something could happen. And red is when, you know, everything is going awry, your your weapon Mm -hmm. is unholstered, you've made the decision to fire. So I really harp on that because I think women come to my class thinking that they get an automatic pass to fire their firearm once they do get training. And we're like, no, there's laws in place. You have Mm -hmm. to worry about this. Do you have to worry about concealed carry? You have yeah, to worry about, you know, the the moral ramifications, the Absolutely. legal ramifications. Absolutely. All of those things are what we harp on in my classes. It's not just, and we fire just a little bit. Honestly, it's, that's a little part of what we do in our class because that's not the main important focus. Like grip, stance, all of that stuff can be relatively quickly learned, but getting the mental mindset of being able to pull the trigger or not, mm-hmm, that's something mm-hmm. that you really need to focus on with women. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very, very interesting. Yeah, and what people don't want to talk about, about uh, the Sarah Everard, uh, her murder and disappearance, is that it was actually a police officer who's getting charged with it. What is that now? A police officer is the one who kidnapped and murdered this woman in the UK that oh, they wow. are now trying oh, I think to I read that. give yeah. a curfew 
to men after. Wow. And this is why I'm an anarchist. <laughs> that's a whole so nother... let's give yeah, not... even less power to the people and more to the police because a police officer kidnapped and murdered this woman. Well, it's quite ironic, really, because the British police don't carry firearms themselves. <laughs> I think they only carry tasers. <laughs> Jeez. And knives are outlawed. Yeah, no, it's no joke. Like in the UK, you, there is, there's, there's been numerous cases where like a, a guy was caught, um, he, like climbing a mountain. Like no joke in Scotland, he was caught climbing a mountain. And he had a he had a knife on him. Um, I, I think I think it was even part of a multi tool, if I remember correctly. And he was he was arrested and charged for knife possession because you can't possess a knife outside your house in in the UK, right? Nothing sharp at all. Huh? He, char he he was arrested and charged because he possessed a knife while up halfway up a mountain. Mm. Because he because he had a knife, and this is our um. Well, this is this is Europe, this is Europe for you. <laughs> yeah, and Tanji brought up a really good point earlier about how they are trying to incrementally take away our rights as gun owners. Mm -hmm. They don't want to just take away your rights in one fell swoop in one bill. They want to take one step forward encroaching into your rights, and then take another step forward, and then another, and then before you know it, you're two miles back from where you started, and there's practically no way to get your rights back yeah i mean we it's like the boiled frog yeah i mean you know? we discussed this a little briefly last week is that like you know when you look at the united states especially over the past maybe 100 years is that there has been a precipitous decline in in access to firearms and firearms legislation has only mm -hmm. gotten far and more stringent and sooner or later it's going to get to a point where like we're going to reach this inflection point where sooner or later people are going to wake up and say hey if we let this continue for another 10 years we're not going to have a second amendment anymore you're going to be like your home country yeah. and not be able to have a knife yeah, exactly, when you're exactly. walking around. Yeah, exactly. Right? But so, how, how do you enforce all that stuff, though? You know, how do you enforce? Because there are millions. There are millions of... They catch you and they put you in jail and they make you a felon. No, that's, that's exactly it. Like, Because you have to understand that when you're in that kind of society, the police can pull you over and say, hey, we're going to search you. For whatever they want, right? Uh, no, absolutely. If there, there's absolutely no... There's, it's you very different. Funny. To, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And, well, and again, you have to understand that being, being black in London is especially with regards to the Metropolitan Police, is they, you know, they're, they're coming for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is, like, again, like, knife crime, uh, they target blacks, like, far, far, far worse than you would find here in America. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, there, there's <laughs> there's a huge amount of problems with these kind of laws and these kind of, like, like preventions of access to firearms, stuff like this, and it's not, not the most effective solution to ending crime or gun crime whatsoever. Oh, yeah, and Tangie put it really well when she uh, brought that up earlier, I think. Yeah, because there's 300 and, 393 million guns in the U.S. Amen. 393 million guns. So it's it's going to be very hard, you know, to regulate anything. It's going to be very hard to, you know, get people to register them, you know. But if we allow them to, like you just said, take one step at a time, chip here, chip here, chip there, uh, then, man, we're going to be in big trouble. Going to be in big trouble. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Fully on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cardell. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about, you know, these anti-gun bills that are coming down the pipe from our U.S. Congress, U.S. Uh, Senate, and also the president. 
Uh, we talked about the bills that actually have already passed the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. It, the bills have passed. Universal background checks has passed. Uh, the three day, uh, the next one that's they're looking at trying to pass is the three day waiting period. Getting rid of that. Uh, the universal background checks, like I said before, all firearm transactions will have to be done in the gun store if universal background check passes. Uh, that means that you know those people that are right now 18 years old that can actually get a gun as a private sale and have a gun in their vehicle or get it as a gift from a parent. You know, you're not going to be able to do that if Universal Background Check passes. So you, you won't be able to do that. Um, it's going to change a lot. It's going to affect, you know, people that uh, it's going to affect our veterans. You know, right currently right now, you know, veterans who are 18, 19, 20 years old, they can get a license to carry handgun. They can carry a handgun in Texas at 18, 19 and 20. You can get your license and carry a gun in Texas. You still cannot walk into the gun store and buy a handgun, but you can get it as a private sale as a gift. Well, if Universal Background Check passes, that's going to affect our veterans who are 18, 19, and 20. You know, you can die for your country, but you can't buy a gun. You know, so, you know, that's going to, it's, you know, it's going to cause a problem. I, it's, this is a big problem, and it's irreparable consequences of bad legislation. It's going to affect, you know, definitely going to affect, you know, a certain group of people. It's going to affect, you know, that traffic stop, getting stopped by police. An officer wants to determine whether or not the gun that you have is you actually obtain that gun legally. That's going to affect that traffic stop if the officer wants to mess with you. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. You can say, uh, and, and, and if you, if you, naysayers, call me up. My number is 512-643-5483, and let's talk about it. You know, because this is a very bad bill, and you're racist if you're trying to pass this bill. I said it. You're racist. You don't like it? Call me. Let's talk about it. Well, what Skip said was, oh, the, they're going to pass this bill, but they're not going to enforce it, right? They're going to enforce it. That's why they're trying to pass it. They're definitely going to enforce it. They don't want to pass a bill if they're not going to enforce it, right? (laughs) And it's going to affect the people that, you know, that are, you know, kind of accustomed to, you know, you know, doing small amounts of marijuana for their recreational use, you know, because then you have to walk to the gun store. It is, you know, you cannot purchase a firearm if you're an unlawful user of addicted to any marijuana or any depressant stimulants, narcotic drugs, or any other controlled substance. The use of use or possession of a firearm remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you live. Tangi, what are your thoughts on that, Tangi? Well, that was literally the reason I had to leave the cannabis industry. I was literally involved in that world for the last 10 years, traveling Spain, Jamaica, London, all of these places, speaking, became a best-selling author, all of that stuff. And all of those accomplishments I had to, you know, pull by the wayside and leave because of a letter that the ATF sent out specifically stating this. I had no idea that the letter existed. I had no idea that my I had to choose between, you know, being in that industry and my Second Amendment rights. And I was doing so much in that industry that I couldn't justify moving over into the firearm space and trying to keep the world separate. So I had to make a decision and it's super unfortunate. I know triple amputee veterans who consume cannabis and they're better husbands, better fathers, better spouses because of the plant. So I recognize and I understand what that plant does. I really do. I can tell you how it works in your body scientifically. I can tell you, you know, breakdown of why it was made illegal in the first place and the history of it. So again, just transferring all of those skills over into firearms because it's the same thing in my book. Like we are being affected, we meaning the black community have been told, you know, 
to stay away from firearms, don't touch them, don't be around them. Our rights were stripped away from us during, you know, right after slavery, when civil rights soldiers uh, came home, they were stripped of their weapons and their firearms. So you can go back to history and you can see it repeating itself all over again. And this isn't enforceable. And at the end of the day, the black market will always thrive. It's, it's called the legacy market in our world. The legacy market will always be there because of situations like this. At the end of the day, someone would rather you know, be alive and have that firearm in their possession than to be out there in these streets and not have it. And so it's something that's unenforceable. It's going to keep the prison industrial complex going and create new slaves out of this situation. Well, when you say it's unenforceable, they they can't enforce it. They can put you in jail if they find out that you have broken this law. So um, they can enforce it, but it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be. It's easy. not effective. So I should yeah. say that it's, it's definitely enforceable, right. yeah. but it's not effective when it comes to I don't know what they're trying to solve or prove or prevent doing this because it's not preventing criminals from doing the right thing. It's not. That's not what's happening here. So it is definitely enforceable, but it's not effective. I should say that. Well, what it will be is a de facto gun registry because now every gun will have to have a paper trail behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and like I said, when you stop by police now, you know, how does a police officer, if this passes, how does a police officer figure out if you obtain the firearm legally? You do what I do, and you tell him that you've got four guns in the car, and he doesn't ask any more questions and let you go about your way. <laughs> That's what you do? Yep. <laughs> you make really solid eye contact, and when he says, do you have any guns in the car? You say, yeah, I've got more than you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he actually scares me when his when he has interactions with law enforcement. I actually worry about him. This is like my stepson over here, and and, and I, I, I actually get worried and concerned, you know, when he gets you know his interaction. And and we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to learn conflict resolution. We're gonna have to learn to calm those situations down. We're gonna have to learn how to be, uh, you know, kind of play chess instead of checkers when you know when you're you're dealing with your interactions, you know, with law enforcement and with everybody really. You know, because it's easy to walk out here. I can walk outside this door like I tell the people in my class. I can walk outside the door and make someone angry, you know, really piss them off. That's really easy to do. But can you walk outside the door and someone who is really angry, can you calm that person down, you know, and bring them down from that, that level of anger that they're at, you know, where you can actually have a decent conversation with them and, you know, and relax whatever issues or pains that they're having. You know, then that's, you know, that's when you win the situation. That's how you win a conversation. You know, that's winning. But I think, what, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, but I think the problem that we're approaching right now, we're approaching it very fast, is that, that our actual, our, our, first, our Second Amendment rights are, are being um, attacked so much so that it's actually going to be very difficult to remain a law-abiding citizen. Mm -hmm. For example, like I said, in California, you could actually operate a dispensary. And then if, you, if, this, if this universal background check legislation passes, you could, you know, you can legally possess and you know and, and you know, uh, consume marijuana, yet you couldn't then possess a firearm. So it seems that being a law-abiding citizen, as well as also you know maintaining your rights, is incongruous. Like one has like you, this this you have, this is why I take such a um kind of a, an aggressive stance towards the police is that sooner or later it's going to be impossible to be both a law-abiding citizen and also like maintain my Second Amendment rights. Do you understand right. my point? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean I tell you, I'm encouraging people to get your handgun license. You know, get your license. It makes the transaction easier. Get your license. It makes your tr that transaction keep it from being delayed. You won't be delayed in the gun store uh, if you have a handgun license. Uh, so, you, 
Unfortunately, that's where we are today. And I know there's some people out there that, you know, say, hey, well, I don't want to get the license because I don't want to have to pay for my right. It's a right I shouldn't have to pay for. You know, I agree with you, you know, but unfortunately, you didn't go to the polls. You didn't go vote. Uh, so, you know, the majority of people, you did, not, you did not vote. So that's where we are today. And since you didn't vote, now you're at the, we're at the precipice of losing our Second Amendment rights because you did not show up to the polls. And so, Tangi, you know, tell us more about your company. Where can people find you? Uh, where, do, where can we, you know, people sign up for your classes? Because I know my parents are listening. Um, and then also you have a radio show, correct? I do. I have a show called Chocolate Tangerine, and we cover all things tips, tricks, and tools on staying tactical and trained. And so that's on Power 108.9, and that's every second and fourth Sunday at 11 a.m. on Eastern Standard Time. So I had a show this morning, and that'll be posted soon. And I'm Tactical Tangerine Defense. I'm mainly on Instagram and LinkedIn right now. I'm working on Facebook. I'm trying to come back over to that world, but I left that alone. Um, but yeah, I'm, I have all my classes posted in my bio on Instagram, and then I literally can be reached Tangy at tacticaltangerine.com. Tangy is T-A-N-G-Y. And so, yeah, you can definitely contact me if you have any questions, comments, or if you're trying to get any private classes done in Atlanta or Georgia in general. All right. And thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. You know, first they came for, you know, certain people, you know, back in the 1600s, if you were Indian, you could not, you know, be sold a firearm in the 1600s in this country. And then they said, okay, you can't, if you're Indian, your firearms cannot be repaired. And anyone that tried to sell you a firearm or try to repair your firearms, uh, they were put to death. That was the punishment. They came for those first. Second, they said, you know what? If you are a free slave, you cannot have access to firearms. Then that happened in this country. Then they came for those. After that, they said, you know what? We're going to start regulating handguns. They came for that. Went over to California. Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan in California saw the Black Panthers go into the Capitol in California, and he said, you know what? We need to do something about that. Then they came for those guns. Then they came for the bump stocks. Now they're coming for universal background checks. Then they're going to come from the AR-15. What's next? If you don't do something now, you're going to lose it. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out there and buy yourself a gun. You will listen to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.